This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Both parents and all the children in the family must be fruitful. And we said that fruitful means we have to, cons- we have to constantly seek God's purpose, persistently live every moment of our life with his purpose in mind. And that's what it means to be fruitful. So we have to get a clear understanding of God's purpose so that we can be fruitful. And so we, like I said, we started on the purpose of the family minister since and touched on that it was to reflect the image of God and character and structure. And then we got on my portion here. And I said it's to conduct or operate government for the Lord, for the, for the glory of God as his stewards or his representatives on the earth. And I said all you have to put there was it's to subdue and have dominion. And so we started off, and I'm going to read a little bit of it here again. We went to Genesis chapter 1. And again, follow me. It's going to be a quick review because we have a place we have to get to. Genesis chapter 1, and I'm going to read, start at verse 26. And it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And let me say this one more time before I keep going. And I said this last service, and I said it the one before that. Right? I said that all the verses leading up to that didn't say, Let us make man. It just said, And God said. But I did say before that... Brother Isaac, I'm not saying that, that the Trinity had nothing to do with the other part of creation. I'm just saying what the Bible said in this verse. And I'm saying that God doesn't waste words. There's a reason he said it specifically. Let us make man. Okay? So I want everybody to hear that. I'm not saying that the Godhead didn't have anything to do with the rest of the other creation. I'm saying it says specifically here, let us make man. And there's a reason. There's a purpose. Each part of the Godhead having something to do with creation. God the Father who sent the Son, the Son who gave his life and made the church, and the Spirit who now comes and fills the heart of the believers, the church, with the ways of Jesus. And again, it's the Godhead all working in one to get purpose done. And so we see in verse 27 and 20, let me read it all again here, or all of it, 26 through 28. And God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he, he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply. So there's that word fruitful. So just so we know, fruitful doesn't mean multiply. He said be fruitful and then multiply. Okay? Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So we see, especially in verses 27 and 28, that it's, it's, God's, intentions, it's God's intention for mankind to have dominion over all the rest of the earthly creation. So we can bring it into everything into the harmony of his will and his purpose. So we have to remember that mankind is a unique creature, created in his image, his likeness. We have a spirit, we have a soul. And because we have a spirit, out of all God's earthly creations, we're the only ones that can communicate with them. The fleshly creatures are not capable of fearing or serving God. They don't have an intelligent God-given spirit like we do. Therefore, God has appointed us, and he appointed everything else to fear and serve man, and they'll, com- they'll commune with us, and we'll commune with God, and we can, we can translate what God needs to them. We're here to be his representatives. So God gave man the right to rule over the earth as his representatives, and to subdue every living thing that was created for his purpose. So since his command was to subdue and have dominion, we had to give definitions to these words so that we can know the purpose that he's given us. And we said to subdue, especially in this context, when we looked up the original word, is to bring it to subjection, to keep under or make subservient, to enslave, to force submission, and I like this one, to take control of a hostile country. And we saw that in verse 28, that implies that creation must be brought into submission so that it's not to rule man, and that's key. You have to bring these fleshly things into submission so that, that you're, not, you're not being ruled by them. That they have dominion over you. Then we looked at that word dominion, and we found out that it's a royal term, as in like a, a dominating rule of a king, to govern or to have lordship. So furthermore, we, were, we, we came to find out that dominion was given to us to set in order all of God's creation, to maintain the worship and glorifying of God throughout the whole of creation. And then we also saw that this first starts with us. We are little worlds created by God, and though our flesh doesn't communicate with God just like the fleshly creatures of this earth, our spirit does. So in turn, our spirit is to subdue 
or enslave the hostile nation of your flesh. Bring dominion to the hostile country of your flesh, just like the creatures of this earth. And then once you can do that, you can bring everything into God's perfect harmony, into his purpose. And then we looked in Colossians chapter 3 and we saw that that word mortify, where it says to mortify your members, it's a synonym to the word subdue. Bring them into subjection. Our command is clear. We're to subdue and have dominion over our flesh. Then we can properly subdue and have dominion over the earth. But it starts here. It starts with you. And then we also saw in Genesis that after God gave this command to Adam, he needed to help me. It was too much for Adam to do it alone. So God said you needed a helper. And God knew it, because we saw back in Genesis 1 and 27, male and female created he them. He already had purpose on his mind. So she, female was created from male, came out of man's rib, not above him, not below his feet to be trampled on, but next to his heart. What man lacked, she completed in him, and what she lacked, he completed in her. And so what I want you, what I want you to understand is man needed her to, to fulfill God's purpose. Man needed the family. God knew it from the beginning. So when woman was created, the institution of marriage was created and family was established so that God's purpose can get done. So seeing that this is God's purpose, seeing that his purpose is to be done through the family, then we must know that the family alone has to impart some qualities or characteristics that enable us as individuals and as families to rise to our full potential, to subdue and to have dominion. The family is to teach the practical knowledge of God and how to apply his word in your everyday life. And we said the world cannot do this, and you shouldn't expect them to. We said the world's moral code, the world's flow, as Minister Martin was talking about, we said it was what? Money, power, respect, and everything else in between. That's the world's flow. But God has the answer to this flow. So let's go ahead and go over to Galatians chapter 5. And I'm going to read verse 22 through 24. Here's the answer to the flow right here. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. See, not only by possessing those qualities are we fit to subdue and have dominion. Over your flesh and over the rest of the earth, over the rest of God's creation. Only by possessing those qualities. And we see that so many of these qualities are missing from the family today, from the home today. The truth of God's love is uncompromising love. Not the, not the love that this world, this world is calling love, but the truth of God's love is missing in the family today. Too many families focusing on fulfilling the lust of their flesh. And that's why society as a whole suffers as it does today. We come to think about it. We, we referred last week to the shooting in El Paso. And then, uh, you know, I like to keep up with these certain things. Hours later, there was a shooting in Ohio. And then earlier this week, there was another attempt in Missouri, a Missouri Walmart, where somebody's walking in fully armed. This is all in a week. But see, each of those individuals, they come from families. And then the ones that won't pass the gun, gun laws that'll control that type of stuff, they come from families, where they learn these values. And then they get pushed out into the world and these things are getting realized. Let me tell you something about the way of this world. So I have a family member right now who cannot walk. But she has the potential to. She had a certain surgery, a certain, certain procedure, and she has to go through a certain rehab. Not one you can do at home. They have the machines that you have to do. And she can walk again. But the thing about it is, her insurance is like, yeah, we know that you need it. The doctors told them, we know that you need it but it's going to cost you this, this, this out of your pocket now, or you can stay in that wheelchair. And she's been in that wheelchair for almost a year now, right? Been in that wheelchair. But it's all a different motive. It's all about the lust of the flesh, because the end all be all of it is, do you got that money? See, these are the values. These are the characteristics that have been taught. Then when they get into these positions, nothing changes. Because they haven't been taught. They haven't been taught that at home. What they have been taught is go after that dollar, no matter the cost. And that's the injustice. That's our health care system. Those are our gun laws. So 
So we had to see, you know, where are, these, where are they learning these characteristics? How are these things being manifested? And we're still in Galatians, so I'm going to read Galatians chapter 5, and I'm going to start at verse 16 and read through 21. And it says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led by the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. And we, I love that word manifest because it's telling you there's some tendencies, there's some characteristics that bring about these works of the flesh. There's some tendencies and characteristics that if you don't check them, if you don't have the Spirit of God, they will show up because you have nothing to combat with and that is your flesh. These are the lusts of the flesh. They will show up and they will destroy your homes and then society will be destroyed in turn. So the lusts of the flesh are manifest. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery and fornication. Now I'm not going to go through all these, the, the ones that I've touched on extensively like I did before, but I, I do have to touch on them again. We touched on adultery and fornication. We said, what is that? It's, I said, it's having sex with someone who is not your spouse. End of story. There's no delineation. There's not a difference for adultery. There's not a difference for fornication. Having sex with anybody who's not your spouse, of the opposite sex, we had to say that. That's adultery, that's fornication, that's sin against God. And then we went to some of these characteristics that manifest. We said, somebody who's caught up in these things is disloyal, fake, fraud. And when I said fake or fraud, that's someone who can look you right in the eye and lie to you, like an adulterer. Non-finishers, quitters. That's somebody who doesn't see the end from the beginning. Who hadn't counted the cost. Greedy, selfish. We talked about the impulse buyers. Not really considering anybody else in their outcome. The selfish ones, you know, just like, a, just like a, a, an adulterer. Not considering how your family is affected when you have no time to do anything but adulterate. No time to do anything but try to hide the fact that you're adulterating. And then when you get home, it's time to go to bed because I don't have time for my family. And if we can't seem to directly relate these things that are seen in our home with the, 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 the outcome of our children's lives. Why they can't commit. Why they can't keep their, what's holy and sacred and meant for somebody special until they're married. Why when they get married, they can't be faithful. And we're talking about marriage and sex, but like we said last time, the heart of an adulterer, the heart of a fornicator, they can't commit to anything. There's always an excuse. It leaves you unfit, unable to subdue, unable to, to have dominion, People willing, willing not to be accountable. We, we talked about the parents who say, do as I say, not as I do. That's the heart of a fornicator because that means I want to do, do what I do and not be accountable for it. And then you wonder why your kids are saying, I can't wait till I grow up. Because they're like, when I grow up, I don't have to be accountable. That's what I'm learning. I can do what I want when I'm grown. Not counting the cost. And families just being just desolate. No effect for God. Forsaking proper judgment. Leaving the one true God. Then we went on to uncleanness. And we said uncleanness was being impure, immoral, filthy, unnatural. Being impure, unclean in thought and in life and in action. Not just, not just, not just thought, but participating in it as well. And we said when something is unclean, it's spoiled. And we said that uncleanness is a matter of the heart. Therefore, uncleanness will spoil your heart. A heart that's unwilling to do anything for God because it's just unclean. You've hung around the unclean thing too long, now it's rubbed off on you and you can't help but show it. We said a person with an unclean heart always gives excuses for why they are the way they are. Why they can't, why they aren't purposing to chase after God's standard. 
They say stuff like, God knows my heart. He loves you just the way you are. That's not Bible. He came to change that heart. I always seem to blame somebody else for the state that they're in. It takes no responsibility. That's uncleanness. An unclean person takes no responsibility. And if you believe you can hide uncleanness from your family, you're sadly mistaken. Just when you try to conceal it, that's when its ugly head is going to rear itself. That's when it's going to show up. And we gave that illustration last time. We, we gave a natural illustration, how you try to hide stuff in a dirty house, but you can't hide it for long. It'll come busting out the scenes. And we gave a natural example of somebody who hid it behind the camera. I'm a sweet lady. I'm this, this, and that. But if you grew up around uncleanness, if you foster your mind with uncleanness, it's going to show itself. When push comes to shove, when the pressure's on, it's not the fruit of the Spirit that's going to come forward. It's the unclean thing. And that's why the Bible says, don't be unequally yoked. Don't hang around with people with filthy mouths. Because when your children see you do that, they're like, well, I can hang around with the same people at school. And you're wondering why they got filthy mouths. I have, listen, I've lost count nowadays. Now, in my day, I say my day like I'm super old, but in my day when I was a little kid, it was very rarity where you see children cursing. But nowadays, you can walk in the grocery store and they cussing with their mom and dad. I wouldn't have survived. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that right now. But it's the unclean thing. It's because the parents have touched the unclean thing. And their parents have touched the unclean thing. And it's a cycle. Because we're all caught up in selfishness. And we say what perpetuates cycles? Selfishness. It keeps you locked in cycles. Then we moved on to lasciviousness. And we said this is one of those thoughts and behaviors. Or this is when your thoughts and your behaviors are driven by sex. Sexual promiscuity. Unrestrained sexual behaviors. Unbridled sexual behaviors. <clears throat> and we said this is developed because of a lack of validation in the home. Always seeking approval. And like, we, like I said, this usually means that somebody's missing from the home, whether it be literally missing or I'm always working, I'm always doing my own thing, I'm being selfish, I'm an adulterer. Those things. That's, that's still missing from the home. You can be there paying all the bills and be totally absent from the home. So we said a person that, that has a lascivious nature that's such a fulfillment all the days of their life. That's why they're so sexually promiscuous. They're looking for validation from somebody any way possible. And then we said we have parents and families that approve this behavior. And we're like, well, who, who would approve that? Well, you tell me. Single parent. And we talked about, you know, letting your children wear skimpy bikinis, not even your children, yourself, in front of your children. So let's, let's, I'm going to talk to the single parents right now. So let's say you have a hot date. And you feel like, oh, i got to go out on a date, right? And mama, you know, your children come in like, mama or daddy, why are you dressed like that? Why you got this little extra showing? Why is that button unbuttoned? And I'm talking about men and female wearing tight clothes, leaving nothing to the imagination. Right? And, you, and then they're like, well, why is she doing that? She, this is something different. There's something that she or he is going after. Something that they're seeking. Because I don't understand why you got to let them see everything for them to like you. It's a lack of validation. And then you come home late, thinking they sleep, trying to sneak in. Let me tell you something about kids. They sneak harder than you. I'm going to tell you that right now. They will sneak harder than you. I watch Layla now. She'll come down. You know, we're having adult conversations, and she'll come down the stairs. She's real slow. And you've got to be watchful, because kids are sneaky. They're sneaky. You think you're coming in late, right? You think everybody's asleep. And they wake up in there, and they're like, you can't hang, huh? I've been up. <laughs> what, what time do you get home, mama? What time do you get home? But they're watching that. Taking no responsibility. No accountability. Giving in to the lust of your flesh. Unfit to subdue, to have dominion over God's earthly creation. Let, not, let alone God's earthly creation, but your own flesh. Unfit. 
and we talked about letting your children get in these certain things. You got to be careful, right, about the lasciviousness that are being shown because our country's accepted it. They've embraced it. I told you all about seeing young cheerleaders, middle school cheerleaders, doing sexual things in their cheers. Pelvic thrust. And then looking at grown men in the eyes with their smiles and all that stuff. And you're like, oh, let me put them in that. That's good for them. It teaches them discipline. Or it teaches them far more than discipline. And then they get in these certain groups. And, like I, and I'm just using this as an example because this is what I've seen growing up in my day. I was talking about basketball. Putting your girls in little basketball. Not wearing the cost, though. Putting them in things like that. Then they come out and their lives change forever. And then these same individuals whose lives have been changed forever by these, by these lascivious characteristics, they grow up and get in positions of authority. And then they, make, they pass things like, you know what, let's have transgender bathrooms in the school. And we wonder what's wrong with our country. Oh, it starts in the family. That's what's wrong. There's no love. Uncompromising love. And everything that falls under that. Unfit. And then we left off with this question. Do the decisions you, for your family show that you're not a part of this world? That you've been called out of this world into his light? Or does it encourage your family to be more like the world? And I hope that you guys went home and seriously contemplated that question. And now we're getting into the new information. So, now the works of the flesh, verse 19, Galatians 5. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. Which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, and idolatry. So I'm going to tell you all today, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to get on idolatry and witchcraft today. Because those two spoke to me a lot. Uh, so hopefully I can get through all those today. Um, if not, we're going to keep going. So, idolatry. What is idolatry? So, idolatry, this is the worship of an idol. Someone or something that's not God. Putting that someone or something before God in your heart. I'm going to read Colossians. Y'all stay right there in, in Galatians 5. I'm just going to run over to Colossians chapter 3 and read verse 5. Because so it's going to tell you what idolatry is. Here it is. Mortify therefore your members, subdue therefore your members, which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Right there. Covetousness, which is idolatry. One of the biggest things being taught at home. The characteristic that shows up is covetousness, self-centeredness, pride. See, what happens is the very things that God commands us to subdue and have dominion over, we make it into an idol. We begin to worship it. You think about an idol, right? It's something man-made, something we've set up. And then man worships it. So really, you're worshiping yourself. Man is worshiping man. Because the idol's man-made. And then you worship it. So funny. You think about an exodus. When the children of Israel said, we need to build us an idol. We need to build us a golden calf. Didn't in Genesis... A cattle, cattle is something we're to subdue and have dominion over, right? So funny. We're going to make this calf, this golden calf, into an idol and worship it. So they put their hands and labor into making this calf and worship it. Worship an idol that they made. Listen, I'm, I'm, a faithful God, I'm telling you, because when you make idols and stuff like that, it takes work. It takes hard work. Work that wears you out. What kind of God, what kind of God does that? God is not, not the true God is not going to wear you out. But that's man-made. And men are worshiping. Go to Isaiah chapter 44. Put your, put your ribbon in Galatians 5. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 44. 
I'm going to read verse 9 through 20. And for the sake of time, I'm just going to go ahead and go with it. They that make a graven image are all of them vanity, and their delectable things shall not profit. And they are their own witnesses. There it is right there. Because the, you know why they're their own witnesses? Because it's man-made. They see not, nor know, that they may be ashamed. Who hath formed a guide, or a most engraved image, that is profitable for nothing? Behold, all his fellows shall be ashamed, and the workmen they are, men, they are of men. Let them all be gathered together. Let them stand up, yet they shall fear, and they shall be ashamed together. The smith with the tongs both worketh in the coals, and fashioneth it with hammers. And worketh it with the strength in his arms. Yeah, he's hungry. And his strength felleth. He drinketh no water and is faint. See, that's what I'm talking about. You put all your work into making this your idol. You got no strength. You're ready to faint. The carpenter stretcheth out his rule. He marketh it out with the line. He fitteth it with planes and he marketh it with the compass and marketh it after the figure of a man according to the beauty of a man. See, because it's all about, idolatry is all about raising up what men like and worshiping it. You form it, it's so funny that these, these, the idols that are usually made, even in the olden days, like the calf, it all resembles flesh. And then we worship it. You worship the flesh. He heweth him down cedars, and taketh the cypress and the oak, which he strengthened for himself among the trees of the forest. He planteth the ash, and the rain doth nourish it. Now, you see that? I like how God put that in there. Because they're talking about idols that are made by wood and trees. And they said, oh, I think it's flourishing because I made this idol. No, the rain nourishes it. And that's from the true God. And you like to take credit for it. All about worshiping yourself. Then shall it be for a man to burn, for he will take thereof and warm himself. Yea, he kindleth it and baketh bread. Yea, he maketh a God and worshipeth, and he maketh a graven image and falleth down thereunto. And this is what I want you to understand. See, they're talking about the same wood that they used to create that idol. Y'all use it to, to warm yourself. You use it to cook your food. But then you worship it. You make a God out of those things that have all been provided by the one true God. And then you worship it. The same wood that you're using to, to feed yourself, to stay warm. And then I'm like, oh. And you toiled to get that wood, and now I'm going to worship it. He burneth part thereof in the fire, with part thereof. He eateth flesh, he roasteth roast, and is satisfied. Yea, he warmeth himself and says, Aha, I am warm, I have seen the fire. And the residue thereof he maketh a God. <laughs> the rest of it he makes a God with. <laughs> Even his graven image. He falleth down unto it and worshipeth it. Prayeth unto it and said, Deliver me for thou art my God. They have not known nor understood. He has shut their eyes and they cannot see in their hearts that they cannot understand. And none considereth in his heart. Neither is there knowledge nor understanding to say, I have burned part of it in the fire. Yea, also I have baked bread upon the coals thereof. I have roasted flesh and eaten it, and shall make the residue thereof an abomination? Shall I fall down to the stock of a tree? He feedeth on ashes. Ashes. I love that statement there. Because see, they're talking about burning wood, right? And you, you know, just like, just like you use it to stay warm and eat, if you burn it, that, that idol, it's like the ashes. It's like wind. There's nothing there. It's gone. Because it had no value in the first place. You made it to what it was. A deceived heart hath turned him aside, that he cannot deliver his soul, nor say, Is there not a lie in my right hand? So an idolater is a heart that's deceived. So what have you built a golden calf for in your home? That's my question. Is it the job? Is it your car? Think back this week. 
Look at your time spent. Did you spend the majority of your time taking selfies of you? On your phones? On your social media? Catalog that time. Because you might be that golden calf. That is an idolater. You're worshiping man, and men do worship themselves. Kings at that. And it's not always easy to see from the individual themselves. But your family sees it. And they're learning. You're always teaching. Whether you're teaching the truth or not. And they're always learning whether they're learning the truth or not. This is why God's purpose has to be in your mind. It has to be in your heart at all times. So that we can be fruitful. All those things that I mentioned, they have to deal with man. They make you look better. You come home and you go straight to those things and then get mad when your children do the same thing. Got no time for them. Spend all your day at work, come home, and now it's time for me again. Selfie, selfie. Ooh, look, that'll look good on me. Let me buy that. Let me get this. All the while, your family's suffering. But they're learning that. They're being neglected in other areas and then learning it's all about me. Idolatry. Covetousness. What's your motive? Force your children to get involved with extracurricular activities. Why? There's nothing wrong with your extracurricular activities. There's nothing wrong with it. But if you give it more than you give God, there's something wrong with it. You show up and you give them zeal for those extra things. You empty your bank accounts for those extra things. You send them away for full summers to camp for those extra things. But struggle to get here 15 minutes late to come get the truth for your family. Once or twice a week. But the, the true concern of a believer is to fill their, fill their life with the Word of God so their lives can be changed every day. That's the true concern of a believer. So you have to settle things in your mind that I'm not going to put anything before God. Anything before His purpose. Because if I do, it's at the cost of my family. To me, it's too high a price to pay. And that's easy to say. Everybody would say that. But they're giving their children away. Left and right. No problem. Just giving them out. Giving them away. So subtle. Oh, I can take a picture of myself. That's fine. But have you spent any time with God today? So that his purpose is done. So that his redemptive plan. Remember what our call is of the family. It's not to go and buy whatever you want and then make yourself an idol. It's not for you to, to change your life and get changed by Christ and then start feeling yourself and say, I did this. That's ashes. Unfit to subdue and have dominion over your own flesh, let alone this earth. Witchcraft, the works of the festival manifest. I'm sorry, let's go back to Galatians. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft. This is where I wanted to get to today. And this was so interesting to me. So the word witchcraft is from the Greek word pharmakeia. It's the Greek word for medicines or drugs that inhibit a person's personality or changes their behavior. We would call these things mind-altering drugs. This is where we get our words for pharmaceutical drugs and pharmacy from. The Greek word for witchcraft, pharmakeia. And this word was used in connection with sorcery, magic, witchcraft. 
But the word, the, the, the interesting thing is why this word was used in connection with witchcraft. Why is this word used to, de- to depict the works of the flesh? How is this manifested? See, when the church was being established, paganism ruled the Roman Empire. I'm going to give you a little background history of witchcraft so we can bring this into our day. Paganism ruled the Roman Empire. And these were dark, demonic pagan religions. And one of the prominent features that they used was drugs to alter the state of their minds, to deal with their stresses, to deal with their problems, to deal with their sicknesses. So heathen worshipers, or their believers of those pagan religions, they would, they would come to the pagan temples to find relief from their sickness, their mental stresses, from work at home, whatever. And then, you know, rather than confront the real needs of the people, the, the, the pagan priests, they would give them hallucinated drugs. They, drug, they, they take these drugs, they pour them in vial of wines, they mix them together, and then they give them to people to drink. And then after the, the recipients of them were medicated and under the fluence of these, these drugs and stuff, the priest would send them home. And they'd tell them, you're going to feel better, everything's good. However, and they did, temporarily. However, once the drugs or whatever have you wore off, they were back to the same old problems. And actually, even worse problems because of the drugs. You're worse off than what you, that temporary satisfaction, but now you're worse off than when you started. So the only way they were able to find relief from those problems again was to go back to the pagan temple, get the drugs again, get whatever they needed again, and it became a vicious cycle. Keep going. Got that temporary relief. I call that temporary relief a distraction. But they got that temporary relief. No permanent solution. Those pagan priests were powerless to solve anybody's problems. All they could keep doing was keep dousing people with more and more drugs, more and more hallucinogenic things, causing them to open their eyes and be like, wow, I feel good. They're enamored. Impressed with the temporary fix. These pagan priests, what they would do is they would literally hypnotize people into believing their problems had gone away. But the truth of the matter was they never, they never dealt with the real root of the problems. They did nothing but prolong the pain and deepen the roots of those pre-existing strongholds. So how does this apply to us today, right? Since modern day people in society, even though they, they still kind of do, they don't go to pagan temples like that, right? Pagan temples where you can go get drugs and just put it all together. They don't do that nowadays. But there are plenty of pagan priests today. Let's talk about your liquor stores. Your D-boys. What's a D-boy? Your dope man. Your flesh. Yeah, you can allow your flesh to be a pagan priest. We're going to get there. See, all of those things, they behave the same way as the pagan priests of the old days did. Each one of those things We'll try to convince you to ignore your problems. Here's the funny thing about it, though. But each one of those things, they don't know how to fix themselves. But they're out here trying to help you fix your issues. You know, your flesh. Oh, you can cope, take a drink, pop this pill, smoke this blunt. You'll be all right. These things will, and they can, give you a brief hiatus from reality. But when the effects wear off, then what? Well, not me, Brother Isaac. I don't have a, what did you call it, a D-boy? Yes. I don't have a drug man. Okay. Let's go to your prescription drugs, right? Because remember, witchcraft comes from pharmacaea, Right? where we get pharmacy from. So, some people have made their pharmacy, their legalized dope man. So let's not be legal, right? You know, you get prescribed medicines, and you take them home, and there's a certain prescription, 
And you take them home and you don't take them like the prescribed way? Not only that, you make your own cocktails. You know how they pour them in the vials. Well, I'm going to have me a, let me get a Vicodin and a beer. Let me get a Xanax and a little cup of Hennessy. Altering the state of your mind, trying to escape your problems. Well, it's my prescription. It's legal. It's not against the law to get alcohol. All things are lawful, but not expedient. Not if you want to subdue and have dominion. Well, my doctor says I need it. Listen. Listen to me. Brother Isaac Hill is not a doctor. Right? And I'm not trying to give you medical advice. Take that home with you today if you take anything. I'm not a doctor, and I'm not trying to give you medical advice. If your doctor prescribes you something, stick to that prescription faithfully. But let me give you some spiritual advice. You can't let your flesh tell you that you, gotta, you can keep covering up your problems with temporary solutions. Because when those temporary solutions run out, and they will, the same OU is going to resurface. And now, even with more issues, because now you're dependent on something to help you get through. And not dependent on God. What will you do then? Will you be like the heathen worshiper and just keep running from place to place and returning? Trying to find another temporary solution? Your family's watching this and they're learning this. <laughs> they see that you never seek out the real solution. Only what's temporary Just a temporary fix, no matter the cost, no matter what it costs you. And that's just the thing, right? The temp- you get your temporary relief, but the costs are usually permanent. Long-lasting costs for your little temporary moment of satisfaction. Then you're left with people who refuse to look at themselves and find out what they need to change. They use these dependencies in their efforts to avoid seeking the truth. My doctor says I need this though. You were waiting to hear that. Did he say to take that pill? Did did he say take two or three of them and then mix it with your favorite drink? Understand this. Your flesh, it hates confrontation. So to use anything and everything at its will to avoid being confronted with the truth. It doesn't want to look in the mirror and see the truth. Because then it will have to acknowledge the real problem. And then that goes back to our pride. It has to acknowledge this. I'm a wreck without Christ. If you haven't come to that realization, there may be some witchcraft at work. Let me tell you some other versions of witchcraft. Living by your horoscopes, your signs, an excuse to face the truth. You know, you know, because certain horoscopes say, "Oh, this person is just a—they're—they're they're really sexually promiscuous." So they'll say, "Oh, that's just me. I'm a Scorpio. I like to have sex." Oh, that's just me. I'm an Aries. I have an attitude sometimes. If you mess with me. See, all the flesh is trying to do is run and hide. Alter your mind with witchcraft. Keep you from slowing down long enough to catch the vital issues so that your your life and your family's life can be forever changed. In other words, here's what the flesh is trying to do. The flesh is trying to learn how to cope instead of learning how to live. Instead of learning how to subdue and have dominion. Instead of learning how to be changed. Instead of learning how to live on purpose. On God's purpose. How to be fit for His use. See, because God's wisdom and knowledge, it purifies. But men's, it perverts. It perverts everything. 
all these modern day pagan priests, all they, all that they do is they give you false attractions, false hope, false feelings, and flat out lies. They give you a temporary satisfaction at the cost of everything. Keep you from ever being able to show forth God's true love. Your mind is altered though. How, how can you? You develop your mental state with these things. With my sign, with my horoscope, psychics, drugs, alcohol. Your mental state is developed with these things. Let me give you an example. Let's say you have your prescription drugs or your alcohol and you make you a, a cocktail and then you decide, I'm going to have sex with my spouse with all this stuff in me. And then you confuse the feelings you have with love. Now, let's say you don't get those same feelings anymore. Because you stopped doing this for a while. And you don't get those feelings when you have sex with your spouse. And now you can't tell, do I still feel the same way about my spouse? Do I still love them? Because you developed your mental state with these things. So your definition of love is skewed. You can't function without these things. So you pull the wool up over your own eyes. And then now, that, that, then it leads to another word. Maybe I need, to, I need to find something that can fulfill me. I'll, I'll go adulterate. But you work witchcraft on your own marriage. Listen, let's take drugs out of the equation. And you had sex with your spouse, right? As a makeup tactic. You know what the world says, right? Makeup sex is the best kind. Yeah, that is what the world says. And it may give you some momentary relief from your current issues, but when your clothes are back on. And the same issue is back even stronger. And you're even more irritated about it because you never addressed it in the first place. What then? More witchcraft? More makeup sex? Or how about using sex as an instrument for manipulation? That's witchcraft. <laughs> Sex is not a tool to get what you want. For your temporary satisfaction. That's witchcraft. Manipulation is witchcraft. What is manipulation? To control something. To steer or maneuver it in your way. To exploit something. To orchestrate something. To wrap somebody around your little finger. Ruthlessly for your satisfaction. Teaching your family to be manipulators. Oh, you've become a own pagan priest in your own home. You're a pagan priest in your own home. Under undermining each other to your children. That's witchcraft. Ah, oh, let me talk to your mama. Let me talk to your daddy. I'll handle it. That's working witchcraft in your own home. Teaching your children to be manipulators. Oh, but daddy knows how to, how to, how to handle mom. Mom knows how to handle dad. Teaching your children witchcraft. See, the thing about, like I said, the flesh doesn't want you to confront your, confront your issues, but the spirit does. He wants you to get those things by the root and pull them out. But you have to make your flesh shut up. You have to subdue it. You have to have dominion. And all the while your flesh will scream in pain. But why is it screaming really? Because it's losing its hold over your life. Let it scream all the way out. Tell it to shut up again in the name of Jesus. So in our world today, and I'm just going to end with this because I'm out of time. In our world today, witchcraft or pharmacia 
it will refer to the flesh's attempt to avoid being confronted and changed. That's what witchcraft is. It's your flesh's attempt to avoid being changed. Avoid being confronted. Your little momentary distraction so that we don't have to see the truth. As a matter of fact, the flesh would rather be told a lie. It'd rather that you stroke it and reassure it that it's going to be okay. You don't need change. Let me make you feel better. Listen to what your horoscope said about it, though. So it's okay. Take this pill. Drink this drink. Just ignoring the wrong things in your life. Thinking that if you ignore them, they're going to go away. You fool. That, that sounds like somebody on drugs. That sounds like somebody on in witchcraft. Left unfit to subdue and have dominion. We'll pick this up next week. You can be dismissed. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.